Project Esports Podcast for December 10th, 2018. As we've been talking about for a while and all day on Twitter, all three of us are finally back. James has decided to quit his job. Honestly, I am happy to have you back. I'm happy, I'm happy, happy you did switch out of your job because now you will be back full time, correct? Full time, full time, yeah. And Dylan, of course. I want to get into a little bit of housekeeping before we kind of get into it. We have quite a bit of topics today. I mean, I think this is probably one of the more kind of spread out one in terms of different esports. We usually stick to two or three. Today we're talking about five or six. So I want to get into all those. But before that, we do have a lot more content being released alongside of just a normal podcast this week. James, why didn't you tell about the interview that you guys, you did what, two weeks ago now? And it's going to be coming out on Wednesday. I think it was two weeks ago. Yeah. So I was able to sit down with uh, Mitchell Moody Franklin, who was the number four draft pick of the NBA 2K League. Um, he played for the Kingsguard their inaugural season, and now he's playing for the uh, the Lakers. Um, so, yeah, no, had about had about like you know a good forty five minute chat with him. Great dude. It's gonna like I mean I was I was really happy with the interview. It was it was a it was a good time. Like nice casual conversation. I liked it. Yeah, and that will be released on Wednesday afternoon around the same time as the interview from last week. Still working on scheduling that. I will push that far in advance so you guys will know the minute it goes live. And on top of that, we are having our second episode of the Project Rankings for the Overwatch League brands being released on Thursday afternoon as well. That will be going live about 3 p.m. Central Time. So whatever that is going East Coast to West Coast, 3 p.m. Uh, Central for um, that time zone. But with that, I think we want to jump in to something that I'm sure Dylan's very excited about because he's officially announcing his path to pro with Magic Esports. Yeah, I'm uh, so I'm just going to be a professional Magic player now, um, playing MGG Arena. So uh, probably you've heard me talk about this a bunch over uh, the podcast, and obviously with, with with the guys have been talking about it. But so Magic released um, MTG Arena, which is their online version of Magic, which for the most part is just all standard. Um, for anyone who knows Magic, it's just the standard format in digital form. And wow, it's actually really incredible. It's amazing. It's a really good version of Magic if you like standard. Uh, the card economy is really good because it's not an economy, and so you can kind of just craft cards very easily and you can get tier one decks very easily unlike in in paper magic where you have to pay like sometimes hundreds of dollars for for these decks so it feels really good to play tier one decks and get them fairly easily so the big announcement that came from wizards of the coast the the people who own magic is that now they're expanding into magic uh arena esports so they're pumping a ton of money into it a ton yeah and they're they're also setting up kind of like a new model of magic so i'm i'm gonna kind of go off on magic here a little bit so everyone might not catch all the lingo i'm gonna go into um but you'll get the the gist of it so they used to have this thing called uh, magic gps you know um they'd be called gp whatever the city name was so for instance when they came here they were called it was called gp uh dc and so it was one big magic tournament like a professional tour that was open to anyone to come in and and try out for and you can You'll play, and if you win, you get you get points for the pro tour, and you can get into like the invitational events, or you can just play a bunch of side events. Now, those have been doing very iffy. The the live events have been doing very iffy, so uh, they they started to do a lot of reworks to them, and they renamed them from from GPS, which is short for Grand Prix, to Magic Fest. 
So now if they came here, it'd be Magic Fest at DC. A lot of people didn't like that because yeah, it sounds kind of weird. But personally, I like it because it better reflects what it is because the majority of people that go to this don't play in the main event. Um, they play in a lot of side events. And that's what I do. Whenever I go, I don't like playing in the main events because it's a lot of pressure and it's, it, it, it's a lot. And there's a lot of good players. I like just playing side events because they're really fun. They're low stakes, but you still pay into them and you can still get prizes and stuff. And they're really fun. So I do like that kind of catering to when they say cater to the casual audience of magic, it's kind of like a, a misnomer sort of because a casual magic player still plays and like pays into the game and sometimes puts hundreds of dollars into it. The only like casual version is is kitchen kitchen table magic where you don't go to anything. You just play literally in your house with your friends. So anyways, with, with that big change that they're doing to these live events, they're also implementing kind of um, an eSports aspect with MTG Arena because it's it's been a hit. And so now they're splitting Magic into two categories. So now you have MTG Arena and what they're calling Tabletop. And Tabletop is literally just the paper version of Magic. And people are excited and upset by this. Um, the The... The old uh, school players are a little bit upset because there's a lot of formats that aren't well supported in Magic um, outside of Standard sometimes. Um, and these are the formats with old cards that Wizards doesn't inherently make money on because they're old cards from old sets. With Standard, it's all the new cards coming out. Um, basically, think Hearthstone. You know, New cards come out and old cards cycle out, so they have to sell new packs and new new boxes of cards and they're making money off of that but some of the old formats that just encompass old cards and and just huge amounts of cards wizards of the coast doesn't make any money off of it because it's the cards are in the the you know in the environment now they're out there people are just selling it's like used games it's just people are selling used games to each other and that money's never going back to the developer so people are a little bit worried that magic is moving in this area of where they see they can make a ton of money and they might be turning down, you know, some of those formats a little bit. But anyways, they're injecting a ton of money. And the first big event is going to actually be at PAX East. And it's going to be like, what was it, like a million dollars? Yeah, so there's $10 million yeah. going into 2019 in prizes. First one will be in PAX East in, what is it, March? End of March? Yep. Um, for $1 million will be the first prize, which we will be at PAX East. So if anyone has connections or needs someone to cover the event, you know where to go. We have a residential pro player and his cameraman. So, <laughs> yeah. And if uh, if anyone has a hookup at Wizards of the Coast and wants to send me an invite, uh, I run a really good mono red deck and I do very well. Um, no, but this this is interesting. And I think so. They said they're going to have a lot of online events, which is cool. Like I I want them to to implement a tournament, like an in game tournament. And and we were talking about this with Hearthstone a little bit in-game tournaments as a way to get into a professional scene oh my god it's so amazing and underused i really wish starcraft 2 would have done this like in-game tournaments like 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 mechanically controlled by the game itself is an incredible thing because because game battles you know let's let's go back to the old days of game battles and how great and how great that site was for for setting up tournaments and and now like smash.gg i think that's the the, the big smash uh bracket say or challenge like all these, yeah, all, all, yeah. these all these small ways to facilitate tournaments are really cool and all but if you have in-game ways to set this up and have you know 
me sitting at home by myself, maybe I don't know anyone who plays MTG Arena, being able to just sign up and it just throw me in there and I could just play. Oh man, that'd be so great. And I really hope they utilize that to really help launch people into the scene because it's a little hard sometimes to, to get in, into magic, you know? I'm not gonna lie, it's really hard, it's really daunting. There's a lot of stuff that's really complicated in the game. And this just makes it all so much easier just because the system handles it for you. And not only that is showing up to an event, sitting down with a bunch of people you don't know and having people just like throw cards down that you don't even know what is happening. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, it's super, super intimidating. And that's probably one of the biggest barriers to entry of magic. And this could eliminate all those barriers. And it's great. Yeah, no, I was just gonna, I was gonna kind of build on that because if you like, I've before like when MTG Arena was becoming announced, um, I, I was watching like Magic on Twitch and stuff like that because they do like they do stream like the the the, the tabletop. And if you watch like the flow of play between pro players and stuff like that, it's like seamless and like there's like there's no stopping, there's no explanation. You have no time to process what's going on. So yeah, like going to sit down in like a live event is just absolutely terrifying because like. It's. It, I, I find it falls into the category of like StarCraft, where this game has been around for so long, and like the people who play it have been playing it for years, and they know what exactly to do. So you, as a, like a newbie, kind of like trying to get into that scene, is just it's terrifying, right? So with the online tournaments, like I mean, that's like I think that's a great outlet for them. Like I mean, that, that, that falls in the same rules like as like Battlefy too, right? Where there's like there's yeah. So I yeah no, I think this is a. I hope they I hope they do it too, man. And what's actually really weird about watching magic on on twitch right now it sucks to be honest it, it sucks unless you are basically a professional because when you're you have like a top-down view you can barely see the card sometimes yeah. there's glare and what you were saying is they're playing really fast and the reason why they do that is that these players know each other's decks you yeah. know you know the tier one decks you know all the cards and so whenever you put something down Everyone knows the interaction and what everyone's doing. So basically, you're just putting cards down, and your opponent's just saying, "Yep, yep, yep. Go ahead, go ahead. All right, yeah, my exactly. Turn. Right? And it's it's so hard to follow that. And so even if they just move that to showing games on MTG Arena, you could see the text way easier at the very mm -hmm. least, and it still flows really quickly, but it won't be as fast. I feel like that's going to be really really good for the audience. A big thing I've I've taken a liking to with MTG Arena, um, especially because I was uh, I was watching like Rainad like stream it a lot when he when he like when it was first coming out and like Twitch implemented an interface that lets you basically like scroll over the screen and like enlarge the card. You could read the text, all that stuff, and you could really see, and you could see his like you could see the hand, you could see the cards in the graveyard, all that stuff. And it was really it was like, it made for a very like you know like uh, like all encompassing experience. Like it really made you feel like. Okay, like I'm not like trying to like process all this information as quick as possible. I can sit here and look at his cards and like and like take it in. You know what I mean? So I think like with that and and like incorporating that into pro play, like that's gonna be that's gonna be awesome, right? Yeah, any bit of interaction you can get from with the audience into the game itself is is gonna be really good. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I and have so, absolutely no, nothing to add to this. Oh, I'm sorry. Going. I, I was just gonna yeah, say so like I don't have one, much. Yeah. One final point. Um, the, the game right now is actually really bare bones, surprisingly. Yeah. Yeah, the, the game, the only big features it has is it has all the cards that are in standard and mechanically works, which I know it, it doesn't sound like much, but me mechanically to make some of these interactions happen is really intense. Like, the, the game wasn't designed to be played 
on like a computer. So sometimes interactions are weird. So coding all of it has been probably insane. And the fact that they're able to do it and for the most part seamless. I, yeah. I know there's some there's some instances of bugs happening with like and, and it's not with with the same interaction over and over. It's just sometimes there's a bug that happens. But besides that, it works fairly well, which is a huge, huge deal. And once they start really rolling out implementations into it, it's it's going to be nuts. And I really hope they do because they're Wizards of the Coast is like, we're going to put $10 million into it. So hopefully <laughs> they put money into development of this game. Yeah, and like I mean, I think I think the big thing too, as far as like the the bugs and like the uh, the interactions and stuff like that, you always see that with like high combo decks. Like for the for the base player base who like like I like like me like I just run like a white black like tribal deck, right? Like I just I just chuck down creatures, right? And like I mean, a lot of the times you just you don't you're never gonna risk that interaction. So for the casual players, it's you're never gonna see this potential bugginess. You know what I mean? Like 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 unless like something graphically screws up. But I mean, other than that, like. You never risk it, right? So I think, yeah, no, like I like I haven't found a bone to pick with that with that interface with that game yet. Have you, Dylan? Because I I'm loving it, man. I played yeah, so the, much. <laughs> there, there's a few gripes with the interface, and they're mostly quality of life things. Yeah. Um, sometimes uh, finding the right place to end, um, to to like put a put a stop at the the end of certain phases. Yeah, fair um, enough. I know priority is a kind of a weird thing that. That people, especially like higher level magic people, have issues with that and um, letting things resolve. Sometimes when, again, I'm going to go into a little bit of jargon, but whenever you add too much onto the stack and you need to let it resolve, you, sometimes you're just sitting there pressing the button over and over and over and over. Oh and over yeah. Again. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and the the one thing is because of the the auto priority, if I have something to play, it will wait for me to resolve to hit like basically go ahead for me to play that thing yeah um, but if you don't have anything to play it just goes right on through the issue with that though is you can like kind of read people so if you're like hmm, yeah you, you he can has, see yeah he's this much mana up and i'm gonna play a thing if it waits too long to go to the next uh phase you know that they they most likely have something in hand that they can play. Exactly. Because yeah. The base, the, the the majority of players don't put full priority, which full priority, it just stops and you have to hit it every single time, mm-hmm. um, even if you don't have anything to play. Um, so that that is the main gripe, but that's something you can change on your end. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And speaking of something that needs to work on putting a stop in it on moving on to the next phase is this podcast. <laughs> we have four. Five more big stories we need to touch on today. So I am cutting you two off. You can talk about it more on the pre-show. You can ask either one of these about more questions. But that was a good 15 minutes on Magic, and we are going to probably dedicate the same thing these next couple of stories, so we need to move on. <laughs> so I am going to let you start talking again, though, James. But this time we're going to yeah. move on to Clash Royale, something that we talked about pretty much the day the league was about to start, and we have not talked about like in the last three, four months the league's been going on. But now it's done, and surprisingly done pretty well, right? It did in, like, I think as far as, like, mobile games transition transitioning into esports, it did super well. Um, in total, it had a 2.3K, like, million hours watched. Um, and, like, the, I guess the World Finals averaged, like, uh, 541K viewership. Which is um, ridiculous. Which is it's ridiculous. And, of course, those numbers are always taken with a grain of salt as our kind of, like, all, like, Twitch viewership and stuff like that because it can be inflated. Uh, but still, like, I mean, that's pretty crazy for a mobile game. Um, I mean, of course, like, you know, I, I, we talked about this when it happened, and we never, again, like, we never went back to it. Like, C9, TSM, like, uh, Team Liquid, 100 Thieves, like, everybody was a part of this. Um, 
so it was kind of crazy. And even like the live venue, the live venue had like a thousand people there. So I mean, like for to watch a mobile game. So to me, that's crazy enough as it is. That's ridiculous. Um, it was uh, it was Nova Esports that won. Um, they're a I believe a Chinese team. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, no man. Like I think this like like Clash is kind of being smart about this, and I don't I, like I, I don't blame them for doing it. They haven't announced another season yet because they wanted to see how they probably want to you know check the books and run the numbers and all that stuff. But yeah, no, like I. This to me seems like it's going to do it. Um, there was actually um, a, a nice little excerpt from the one of the pro players um, who's like 16. Um, he's from he's from Britain, and he like, like these guys recognize that this mobile game isn't going to last. He, he's like maybe four or five years tops. So like these guys know that, and I'm sure the developer knows that as well. Um, so they're not getting like hyper invested, and that's probably why we're seeing like we're not seeing like, a mid season announcement and be like, yeah, we're going into season two. You know what I mean? So, and they also just like um, Supercell, the developers of Clash Royale, Clash of Clans, all that kind of stuff, mm. just announced a new game, which pretty much looks like a mobile version of uh, Brawlhalla. Not Brawlhalla. Um, what was that game? Like, it's like a three v three like MOBA mix. I can't think of what it's called right now. It's in my stream li- Steam library. Awesome knots. Huh? Awesome knots. No, we. It was something you were talking about like, early on. Battle right. Huh? Battle right. Yeah. Battle right. It pretty much they released a mobile version of Battle right, um, on the phone. So like they are still kind of keeping that esports ish kind of vibe, like competitive those one v one competitive games and stuff kind of like that. So who knows? Maybe we see one more year of this, and they move on to the next one. And if they keep putting out a game every so often, running one or two years of the league, I mean, it's not well, a I mean, bad they- model. They they clearly know how to. I mean, this is kind of their first entry into really mobile esports they did it really well half a million viewership on twitch and play it or not it's still really really good yeah, for oh, a yeah. mobile game i mean i think i didn't hear a single problem me and steve talked about it on an interview last week because immortals were involved in that too and he said yeah. like he was really kind of surprised with the kind of how i was doing and that that was one of their big involvement games right now like teams are taking it serious too well, that's just it. Like, there, there, there's no like people are treating it like a legitimate esport yeah. because, like, I mean, it's reached that point. You know what I mean? So I'm curious to see because because the like the Clash developer has done so well. I'm kind of interested to see like maybe if they do two years of like each game and then they move on to their next yeah, one. And then, and yeah, then, they sell like a franchising spot. Like, okay, in two years we're moving to a new game. You guys still get that same exact spot that you're currently yeah. in, but then you have to have your players switch the new game or find new players for this game. And you keep kind of keeping that rotating cycle, or I don't, I don't know how they do it, but having a mobile game for more than two to three years, I don't think is going to be a good plan for a league. I I disagree. Really? I think it's I think it's fine because um, so specifically with Clash of Clans, I have kind of a uh, anecdote. Um, so there's actually local tournaments here um that you know, I, I told you a little bit about some of the tournaments i've been yeah I've been you also have minecraft with, tournaments in a movie theater you guys don't have the yeah. most traditional kind of no, scene. no no but the but the thing is is there's multiple cities that have a ton of players who really like this game actually and it's super <laughs> accessible and maybe not like a franchised league model but i think as far as like keeping at least a small scene going they're gonna do this i don't really think that they're gonna try to move players over because like mobile games like it's like it's like saying that like okay league is over all right guys go go play dota now like <laughs> play, yeah, yeah. that's that's not how that's not how well, no, i wasn't even thinking work. about the same player staying on but the same team staying in the league like just kind of sticking with that 
I, I, think... I really don't I really don't think so. I, I think it's probably gonna be less structured than that. I think they're gonna put the game out there and if it's if it's a hit, it's a hit and they'll make an esport out of it, but you can't force an esport. There's I don't no way feel you feel like play. Clash Royale was like a hit. Like when it first came out, yeah, it is. everyone oh, around yeah, me was it playing it, but I felt like that died pretty quick. Well, no, no, I don't no, feel no. like it, it died, has near as legs as Clash of Clans. It died to you, but it didn't die to the players. Like they, like just because because we're not in the same sphere as Clash Royale yeah. player. Because it's really surprising actually with mobile games and I, I, I've gotten a lot of insight from just actually this past Thanksgiving, um, seeing my family. Everyone plays mobile games now. Yeah, like, every, like, like everybody. My parents, of... Yeah, my play, my parents play like like weird Chinese RPG mobile games. What? Yeah, no. Every everyone plays mobile games now, and the Beale family world? sounds lit, man. And, and I I don't even know how they got into it, but like a, <laughs> a lot of people do. And Clash Royale is like number one like on, on a lot of like uh the app lists and stuff like that so whenever huh. someone's like oh i want to i want to play a game it's right there on the top of the list and they download it and the player base has to be huge and i know a lot of people play it fairly seriously so i mean it is a hit and it's continuing to be a hit it's just an audience that we don't have any insight to yeah and i think i think i feel ahead, like sorry. it's something we're going to talk about more and more though like i really I think, think so, yeah. a year yeah. from now We'll be talking about mobile esports a couple times a month. I mean, I, yeah. I really think this is the first one that's seen like, okay, it's sustain. I mean, we'll see if it's sustainable if they announce a season two. But there's interest. There's people watching it. The league was well structured. Teams like teams reacted to it positively. I think seeing these mobile esports scene, that's why I really wanted to bring this in is that this is a perfectly done mobile esport, and I think this will not be the last one, especially in the next couple of years. So, did anyone else see that video? Um, it, w- it was posted to like Twitch uh, highlights, um, but there was like a, a big Chinese uh, East mobile esports tournament, and like all the players were sitting down at their little desks, and like this dude with like a briefcase came out and put it down and like unlocked it and just like handed out phones from the briefcase. It, w- it, it was like perfectly. <laughs> it, it's like the ultimate like esports of how it's like kind of cheesy because it's like a little over the top and serious, but. It was really good. Do you just gotta like make sure this... they're not tampered with, right? Like that's just yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. But the briefcase just seems overkill. <laughs> oh man, it sounds great. I think honestly, I think this is gonna stay the way of like the FGC. Like I think it's gonna be, I think it's gonna be that kind of format where you see these really big names and stuff like that. But again, you have this format of like of like you know the randoms kind of coming in and showing up because again, it's it's an online mobile game, so it's gonna be based off of like leaderboards and stuff like that. And if they choose to compete, so I, I'm sure guys are going to be picked up from that just because of the accessibility. I don't know though. Like, I dub uh, the the mobile game community the MGC to go along MGC. with the FGC. There Any FGC listeners probably hate me now for comparing <laughs> the two, but I am now dubbing the the MGC. Excellent. I love but it. anything else on this? I mean, we can kind of talk about it later on too um, if something comes up. But I it's want gonna come, it's going to it's going to come back up. I want to talk about another esport that doesn't get enough love, and we always kind of more or less insulted, call it a dead game. Well, CS:GO just went free to play, and they launched a battle royale. James, like, they're back. <laughs> yes. Okay. So the, the 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 one thing that we've that we've uh, us, 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 uh, us as a trio have like acknowledged is that because none of us pay attention to CS:GO, we don't talk. We about don't. It. We don't cover it. We don't cover it nearly as much as we should, right? But CS:GO, of course, is like constantly ongoing. It is this. It is this giant in the background that we don't seem to fully acknowledge. Um, 
I'm definitely trying to change that in the future. But like, I mean, this was something so crazy that we couldn't even like we like it was made like regardless of the sphere we were in, we were like made aware of it because CS:GO is now doing battle royale. They went into it. They got in there. They you say screw it. We're we're catch, we're getting with the times. Um, so there was a couple things that kind of like there was a couple things that were like uh, like a ripple effect because of this. So just a, just a bit of a background about the BR itself. Um, it's 18 players. Uh, there's a new map called uh, Black Sight. Oh, it's only it's called, 18 players. It's only 18 players. Yeah, huh. yeah, yeah. Um, it's called Danger Zone, which everybody was like, "Why? Why isn't Kenny Loggins?" Kenny Loggins. Like, yeah, Kenny Loggins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, there's so there's like uh, not only because of the BR format, there's also like side missions, like blasting safes, hostages, um, and like rescue zones. So there's a bunch of little stuff. I don't know how that's going to contribute and stuff like that. Um, but. The, the other thing from the BR side thing, it was it went to free to play too, which that was such a that got a really negative backlash actually for the community in comparison to the uh, to the BR. So after they switched to free to play, there was approximately eighteen thousand negative reviews left on their Steam on the Steam page for CS:GO. It was it, it flooded, and every, nobody was pissed off about BR. And if they were, they were like a vocal minority. Um, but everybody was pissed off about this. Um, it's like, and it's not like it's not like they were like they don't compensate people who who own the game. You get a loyalty badge. Um, you get prime status. I'm not entirely sure what that caters to or what that entitles or entails. Sorry. You get a uh, you get a weapon skin and you get a danger zone case, which I'm assuming plays in the BR. So I'm sure You're some like players are such. Yeah, exactly. Right, exactly. So I'm, I'm sure it's like alpha packs for like Rainbow Six and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so it's not like they're not compensating their player base. Um, but this that was the negative backlash they got, which is kind of crazy to me. I'm got, like, I don't know. I, I think it because I think there's this this um, like stigma of like once a game goes free to play, it's like you're going like this is a dead game now. This is this is like this is we're we're losing now, boys. But the player base spiked. That was the crazy part. The player base spiked. Um, to like like 750k, which is which is the craziest because it hasn't been that high. Um, it peaked at like 850 back in April 2016, and it sat around like the 400 500k mark. So that's pretty crazy. But it shot right back up. Um, I don't know. I think this is I think this is a bunch of the old guard real pissed off that their game's changing, and I think that's I think that's kind of why we're seeing it. So yeah. I disagree. Actually, I know I know why some people are are upset. Um, specifically, I know this from back, oh wow, it had to be like four years ago now, there was a huge sale on CSGO, it, it went down to, to next to nothing, and the big talk during then was, oh, make sure you pick up a couple copies, um, so you can get your, your Smurf accounts all set. Right. I was like, what? And it, people were like, yeah, like, it, you can't make Smurf accounts in CSGO, because it's kind of an expensive game, so you can't really do that, and so therefore... It was like a weird barrier to entry um, for people trying to smurf, people trying to. Um, I know, I know, Steam like IP bans you, but like still, if you're able to to kind of like finagle a new IP, yeah, it, it's a way to kind of keep those people down because like the I don't know, like it was like fifteen dollars was was the game like fifteen bucks or something. Um, I, it, yeah, yeah, it, it, it's it's not too much, but um, I think that that was like the big thing, and now it being free. You can kind of just get Smurf accounts, and then you can kind of just uh, if you get banned and you're able to get onto a different IP, you can just download the game again, and it eh. doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't. yeah. What I've heard a lot of people being upset about. I was like, yes, a lot of people have like put money into, it, and like they're upset about that kind of thing too. 
But a lot of some of the complaints are, well, yeah, all these Smurf accounts and hackers. H hacking is a decent problem on any PC mobile game. I mean, a, a multiplayer game. CS:GO is included in that list very much. Like I said, it is super easy to spoof uh, an IP address. It's super easy to get around that, and it is going to make hacking so much easier because they used to have to buy the game every single time or find a way around that. Now they just keep making it with the new IP address every single time, and then that doesn't really solve the problem. So that means Valve needs to put more effort into dealing with hackers, and we've seen how hands-on Valve can be sometimes with their games. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people, that's kind of where a lot of those complaints are coming about. I think part of, it was, it was an organized downvote. I mean, people were saying, we need to downvote that, and part of it was because of that. Part of it was because people were pissed off about the money, but these are people that spend thousands of dollars on skins, so I don't uh, yeah. see where that kind of adds up with kind of so, 20 bucks to buy the game. But there is real complaints with this going free to play, so I do see that. But I'm happy to see. I mean, it's back back at the top of the Steam charts. I mean, yeah, something that's been around for so long, and I think a big influx of new players be this free to play and a battle royale. They're like, oh, I'll try the battle royale, and I'll go try oh, CS:GO. It's yeah. going to introduce new players. It's going to get popularity back up to it. I mean, it's one of the few games that more people watch it than play it. Like, yeah, it's, it's, and if you get people playing it more, that number may even out, or the numbers just might go up for everything. So, yeah. I mean, right now, the up and down votes may be a little skewed for it, but I think in the long term, at least looking at esports, it's going to help because more people are going to give it a try. I'm going to go back and give it a try or something like that because I want to try the Battle Royale, and I'll probably ultimately end up playing a game or two because it's free to play. Why not? So, so the question ahead. now is... Most of the big esports now are free, except for one. There's only one that I know that's not free, and it's it's Overwatch. Yeah. So oop, the question oop, oop. is, when when is uh when's the boy gonna go free? I don't think it ever hey, will. I hope it doesn't. Call I hope Duty. it doesn't. Call of Duty, true. Yeah. Halo. I, no, I, said, I said big. I said big. Are not free to play. I said big esports. Except yeah, for Call of Duty. Call of Duty's not big yet, man. Like I mean, Call of Duty is getting back up there, but I mean we repeatedly trashed Call of Duty esports because it was like the B tier shooter as far as esports, right? Like so there I would I, I'm with Dylan. Like I wouldn't call them I wouldn't call them like a top tier esports yet. I think do I think they're getting there? Absolutely. I think they really are. Especially after talking to like Will a couple like you know a little while ago. Like I think it's definitely gonna be back on the like the up and up. But um yeah no two things before we move on though because I know we're kind of starting to crunch ourselves from time. Um with CSGO you gotta remember Downvotes, 18, approximately 18,000. Player base, 750,000. Vocal minority. Two, um, another small wave that the CSGO community made. Um, Astralis, the, uh, the, like, basically one of the, one of the esports, like, like, tycoons, like the legends kind of thing. They, they've been around forever. Uh, three, I think it's three of their players have actually broken, like, the 50, top 50 earners in, in esports, which is crazy because it's all Dota players. Um, and then you have these three three or five CSGO guys who just finally, like, peaked that. Um, Astralis is now, like, the top-earning CSGO team as well. So, like, yeah. golf clap for them, right? So Good to see, yeah, yeah, that is still viable, and these people still make money off it. Oh, but yeah. Anything else before we kind of finish up, before we kind of move into the second half of the show? If Don't. not... First off, I want to thank you very much, Nick. I know I rather than listing off all the numbers, N L E S E C, I know you're Nick. You just interact with us on Twitter and all that kind of stuff. Thank you so much for the Twitch Prime. And that does transition in very well to my little 
mid-show ad roll. Uh, if you have Amazon Prime, that means you have Twitch Prime, which means each and every month you get one free subscription for any Twitch channel of your choice, and you don't have to pay for it. That $5, you get it taken away from Amazon and give it to any small creator of your choice. Of course, we do love if you give it to us, but support any supporter you can because you don't, it doesn't transition over. So if you don't use it this month, it just goes away. So if you can, please push that little button above Dylan's head right now. Subscribe to the channel. It helps us. It helps the game house. Um, it's going to get you emotes. It's going to get you all that kind of stuff. We'll make sure um, that. And, of course, we always interact with you as possible. So thank you very much, Nick, for the uh, Twitch Prime. And it's a reminder to anyone else that is watching along, you can also do that for free if you have Amazon Prime. Thanks, dude. Appreciate it. But with that, let's transition into Overwatch. We have to talk about it every single week because are we really this podcast if we don't talk about Overwatch each and every week? But this time it's not a new team announcement. It's nothing kind of like that. We are finally talking more and more about the Overwatch League Season 2. They had the Watchpoint um, preseason episode, the pre-preseason episode, which looked at some of the, the schedule for the first games. Um, kind of reminding of the format changes for um, next season, which is pretty much shortening the season. Um, bigger stuff. Playoffs. Let me see if I can actually get the... Um, Good one. So, there's going to be four stages, 28 games, regular season. Um, and then there's the big thing that I really want to talk about is that there's going to be road games this season. We've yeah, known 2020 games. has been like the big localized, regionalized teams. Everyone's going to be geolocated, and we're going to figure it out from there. It's been what the rumor has been for a while. And I think this is them kind of taking that test route up there. There hasn't been much information on it, but we're assuming there's going to be a couple of more or less one week where a handful of teams go there and play or something along the line and announce more of that down the road but we have that and then we've also been giving the opening day schedules um which is going to be an uh championship rematch which is going to be london spitfire versus the fusion uprising excelsiors gladiators dynasty and then spark and shanghai are all going to be on the first day which is going to be february 14th so for all of you people going on valentine's date Make sure you're back by, what is it, 4 p.m. Pacific time so that you can watch the games and get back in to Overwatch Season 2. But between talking about the stages, between talking about the road games, the first couple of uh, games, what do you guys think about the watch point? And does it get you more hype? Does road games worry you? A lot to talk about here. Where do you guys want to start? Go ahead, Dylan. I, I have a, a place to start it at. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna put on... We're gonna put our tinfoil hats. I have, a, I have a conspiracy already, um, so I know where the, the road games are gonna be. Why would you have road games also on the West Coast? Doesn't make sense. Scratch it off the list. Where is a location of where you would have esports tournaments? Maybe in New York. Uh, New York, Boston. May, no, no, no. Maybe you would have it in New York because you know the Barclays Center is where they had the finals. But you know what? Can they get that very often? I don't know. Maybe, maybe the location will be a new place built specifically for events, specifically for esports. Maybe that place is going to be DC, because I know that there was a, there's recently a, a place that got built, um, uh, a new arena um, to house different sport sporting events, different events in DC, and um, they also denoted that it will be for esports as well. So, I think there's a good chance it could be in DC, especially since we have a DC team now. I think I think we're going to China. 
We have oh. four. We have four teams. We have four teams from over there. China's China's been flexing their influence pretty hard as far as esports, and I think we I think we're going overseas, boys. I think we're going overseas for away games. You have four like titans of like investors coming from China. I would not be surprised if we're going over there. Not yeah. at all. How it's gonna happen is oh, here we go. there's going to be a Europe week. There's going to be an East Coast week, and there's going to be a China week. I think there's going to be three weeks of away games where all teams are going to fly out to China one week, play a bunch of games there, maybe in a city or two, and do like the four, what is it, there's four days a week. There's four days of Overwatch a week. All four days are going to be in China one week. All four games are going to be in more than likely Paris or UK one week, or maybe you split it. And then all four days are going to be on the East Coast, which I'm going to guess is going to be between New York and... Um, Washington DC. DC does make sense. I think the new fan base there, the over the esports community is good there, but New York has a lot more people, has just as many people, and the NYXL has a really loyal and big fan base, and there are more places in the Barclays Center to play those games. So that would be my guess, is that they're just gonna do like a week themes. I don't think there's gonna be a ton. There's not just gonna be one team flying, like two teams flying out to one city doing the one match there. It's gonna be the full day. And if you're going to do a full day, you might as well make it the full weekend why teams are already out there. Would be my guess. And the loca- specific locations are going to be there. But it would be make sense to have it one in each of the geo-located areas that is in the West Coast where the games are already played right now. Would be my guess and my hope. So I'm glad we can agree that the away games will happen in D.C. <laughs> we can hope the away games happen in D.C. So that you can yeah. show up in your full judge outfit. Otherwise... This whole season yeah. is. Oh, uh, if I can't if I if I can't see if I can't see Dylan dressed up as you know the Washington judge, I'm I'm I got nothing. I'm gonna eat a shoe. That's that's <laughs> I'll do I'll do that. Yeah, I mean I guess yeah. There, there's not. I mean yeah. I mean we knew world games were coming eventually. I mean I think this is a good way to test it. Doing a couple of world games versus the geolocation. See how that goes. I mean. <laughs> I, I don't. I wasn't surprised. I was kind of surprised that it was coming, but I was hoping something like that would happen this season. I mean, do we have much to add on before outside of speculation? I mean, I, I don't think this will show to be bad. I think it'll work. I think it'll be awesome. I think this is what something the fans want. I mean, do we have anything else to really add to this besides finally? It's the next yeah. transitional step. Like I mean, that's it just it sense. before. Yeah, exactly. Like there's there's no there's no there's no there's no poor decision like they, they're not they're like i think if they jump to geolocation that's when we could be like okay hold 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 the you know pump the brakes boys but i mean we're not we're not there yet we're not there and they're still they're doing this in a slow uh, slow growth to make sure that they don't you know they don't shoot themselves in the foot and burn themselves out so i think which, I, I think, which gives me more fate in blizzard i know you guys yeah. are sometimes a little upset with blizzard but at least goes to show that they're kind of being smart with how they're growing the overwatch league they brought i mean who knows an eight team seems like a lot but taking that first baby step into a road games and maybe road weeks, and then before jumping in that geolocation, and things could change. They could take another year before kind of doing that based on how the reception is this year. I think taking that like training step would yeah. be the best thing than just jumping it in, having it fail, and that being the death of the league because they committed to this, and now it's the money just isn't going to be there or something like that. And that's just it, yeah. Because like, like it wasn't it wasn't it in the rumor mill that like the the Overwatch League like ended in a deficit this year or something like that. Like, but I, I feel like this is like that's like that's the same thing with like anything where you just like you got to put money into this to, to you know see the numbers on the other end, right? So I don't I don't and for the for the record, Andrew, 
me and Dylan both love our Blizzard overlords. We just have a bit of a love-hate relationship with them sometimes. Yeah. We, yeah. <laughs> just pointing it out. But I, I, I think we don't have too much to add on to this until... Oh, Dylan does. Dylan does. I, oh, sorry, sorry. I thought we, we were almost done with Overwatch. I was going to say I still have one more. One one more Overwatch or one more topic? Yeah, Overwatch. Go on, Overwatch. You're good. Okay. I have breaking news. So any reporter out there can can quote oh, me as yeah. a source for this. Yeah. <laughs> quote me as a source, as in I got the source from somewhere else. But I was on <laughs> I was on Instagram, Instagram right here, um, and Philadelphia Fusion just put up their champion hoodie. You know the the brand champion. Um, it looks it looks fire to be honest. It looks like a really good hoodie. That's really awesome. But here's the scoop, everyone. The very last Fusion Design merch drop ever. This is that's a weird thing to post in the comments. Eric BP 2020, does this mean that there's no more merch ever? Philadelphia Fusion replies, there will still be merch through the league, but no more through our store. Now, if we take the timetable of that big new deal, the merch deal that just went through, can we conclude that that merch deal did in fact make it so that uh, the, the teams can no longer put out their own merch? I think I think that's the case. And... I, I we actually saw I think I think we can piece that together fairly well because if we look to Overwatch DC right um, Washington Justice kind of just dropped their announcement and we found out actually last week through our guests that was because of the merch the merch deal that came through had Washington Justice in the the promo art for it um, the press release and that's why they kind of released all of a sudden. So you would think that's kind of weird because wouldn't they have known about that deal, known about the the you know all the marketing for it, and just made a release event way before that instead of last minute? Unless all this kind of came around to the teams all of a sudden, which would make sense why everyone's kind of putting out merch and then all of a sudden, when the deal goes through, Overwatch League is like, oh, by the way, guys, no more merch, no more merch, no more merch. Yeah, mm. that's not good, man. I don't know, like I don't like. Anybody who's an MMA fan knows about the Reebok deal, knows about the Reebok deal with UFC and how it killed a lot of stuff for them. It killed sponsorships and all that stuff, and it made all the fighters have to wear the Reebok brand. If this if this carries over to Overwatch and every Overwatch team has to sport the champion brand, which, I mean, don't get me wrong, champion's not a bad brand. It's not a bad brand, but, but to be able to have that flexibility and to do what you want, that is not good. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. And I'm just saying, we do have Kate, who is an Overwatch writer, in our chat right now. You've been on the show before. Feel free to quote Dylan in this breaking news article when it goes on the Game House later tonight. We will happily yeah. take your credit and retweet that if you. I, I will send you article. pictures of my of, of my the rest of my room. I have I have things pinned up on boards. Um, we have the strings attached. <laughs> we were talking about it. <laughs> yeah, he's the only sunny meme. meme. He's the Dylan he's the meme. Has converted to full meme. He went from a meme boy and now he's just all in. But with Zone. that, we have one more topic to talk about, and it's actually going to be card games again. And something we briefly mentioned last week, and Dylan was like, oh, it's going to do great. Well, actually, <laughs> Artifact is failing. It has lost Feeling half horribly. of its user base in the last week. I'll hand it off to you to talk a little bit more about it, because you're kind of our card game guy, Dylan, but it ain't looking pretty. Uh, no. So, we were talking about this a little bit before, but Artifact recently came out, and it was Valve's take on card games. Um, and uh, it's not doing so great. They <laughs> lost half of their active players, which they didn't have a ton of players to start out with. Which, like 50,000 was the top, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's, 
it's bad. It's really bad because the model that they're going for, and maybe the reason why it kind of cut down that load, it's because it's a pay for everything model. Um, it's kind of the quote from the article that we read, which basically means you have to pay for the game, you have to pay for the cards, and then you have to pay for event tickets to play. Yikes! And, That's so much paying. Yeah, for an already pay think, for game. Yeah, it's a lot, and it's it's weird because it, we were talking about magic before, and like that, like paper magic is a big investment of money. And so whenever you move to like a like a digital version of a card game, you expect to not have to pay literally for everything. And that's Here what they're are. doing for this. And damn, not good. Not good at all. And I, I, I there's that, that, that video of whenever they announced they announced this game at TI of where they showed it and then they said like Dota trading card game. Everyone was like, ah, like you, you literally hear the moans and like like the like the disgruntledness in, in in everyone in that theater watching it, and you know whenever they start teasing the game, we thought, oh maybe this won't be so bad. And they showed the gameplay, and it's kind of interesting. It's yeah. kind of an interesting take on a card game, but man, they messed it up. They yeah. messed it up bad. How, how how why do you release a game like this and just go all right everyone pay for everything? Not only that, there is a there's a card economy too. So if you want to play the good stuff. All the good cards cost a ton of money, and they're all digital cards. Ugh, this is—it feels bad. Yeah. And see, and see, like, as anybody who like likes card games and like just can't afford them and stuff like that, like, if, and if they listen to this podcast, they're gonna be like, "Why would I ever touch valves? Why would I ever touch artifact?" You know what I mean? I—they just went on a tangent about MPG and how accessible and how easy it is to get into that game. Because Dylan, I don't know about you, but MPG, I spent maybe fifteen bucks because I wanted to buy some packs. To get the ball rolling, but that's all I've spent. You get like you get like daily packs. You get like there's like so much accessibility. And Artifact did none of that. In fact, like I've seen nothing but like reviews about how overly complicated the game is, like excessively complicated. And if you have a game that's insanely complicated and it also is like, super expensive, that is just going to be a bad product. Like that's just that that's just how it goes. Hey, toast. <laughs> Fun. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be good for the long term of it. I mean, they may end up changing some things, hopefully because of the slow player base, and maybe that'll allow it to come around. I mean, they're not, I mean, you kind of see maybe they're not against like changing some things and not making much money up front. You see with CSGO. I mean, maybe they're like, okay, we need to change up how we make money off this. And if I were in charge of a lot of things, we need to make some things cheaper or not cost money. So hopefully this brings change because of how low player base is. I mean, they put a decent amount of money into this. And to have 30,000 concurrent, 30, concurrent players is not enough for them. So they definitely need to uh, pick up that. So I don't know. We'll be curious I, to see what they do in response to this. Because the number is going to keep going down. It's not just going to magically yeah. go up with no changes. Well, that's just it. And I think um, the big thing is, too, and the thing that blows my mind is that we you have you have such a a um, like a, such a large um, resource a large amount of resource material to see what has caused like rise and falls of games and stuff like that and you have that many paywalls and stuff like that historically the game does not do well the game doesn't do well you need to do one or the other right so um, like I mean like you, like even when we talked about like the biggest esport that still is paid for is Overwatch. As far as cosmetics, like, you don't have to pay for those. You can still have a chance of getting them and stuff like that. But can you imagine if, like, Overwatch, like, you had to buy characters or something like that? Like, the Overwatch would be dead, too, you know what I mean? So, like, that's why I think you're seeing, like, or that's why I'm just shocked, sorry, that, like, Artifact, 
adopted this model and expected success at the gate. Like, I don't know, like, a lot, like, I mean, is there, like, uh, like an overlap of, like, of card players and, like, mobile players? Sure, but I don't think it's enough to carry your game, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's... I don't got much, Dylan. Do you have anything else to kind of add on this? Otherwise, things need to change or it's just going to die. Yeah, it's it's a real shame. I don't know how they can kind of save this, but it's a shame. The game was made by uh, Richard Garfield, the guy who, you know, made, literally made magic. Um, and so the, the fact that it's overly complicated doesn't surprise me. Uh, but I, I think it's a good thing, you know? I think there's a place for those com really weird, complicated strategy card games out there. But, man... It just feels bad whenever they 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 do this. I really I really wanted this game to be good, and it sucks that it's not. Yeah. Well, with that, that is kind of like the wrap up of all of our big topics for today. So we can't talk about anything else we missed or anything kind of like that. But something I want to start doing is that there's a lot of news that goes on each and every week that we choose not to talk about because we don't feel like we're knowledgeable on it. It's just not big enough for us to really spend a lot of time on. So I'm going to start calling this kind of our honorable mentions. We might bring up and come up with a different name for it. But a couple other big things kind of happened that will have an impact on the esports scene at one point or another. Mortal Kombat 11 was released at, um, was revealed at the Game Awards with a release date for 2019. So that's big for the FGC. Mortal Kombat 10 is, was pretty well received. 21 Savage also did the uh, the trailer, yeah. which was like, it was like lit. Which was, was very so kind of torn if people liked it or not. I'm like, I can get, okay. I'm like, I'm good with this. It kind of was good pace. Um, yeah. FlyQuest head coach resigns after calling depression and anxiety, quote, made up shit. Made up bullshit. Made up bullshit. Made up bullshit. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm going to read more yeah. on that. I mean, we decided not to talk about that because we all kind of knew is like, that, that's obviously not true. It's probably good, and that kind of attitude doesn't need to be in the esports industry where mental health is such a big issue. So we would have just said that and kind of moved on. So I just wanted to kind of mention that. You can look more into that. Um, that was FlyQuest head coach. Um, and then Saint Sonic Fishes is the coach's name. Sonic Fox um, wins best esports player of the year award, um, which was controversial in itself. Uh, we try not to talk about too much about that, but also Overwatch won best esports game of the year. Some people weren't too ecstatic about that because of all the records, league broke, and all that kind of stuff. Maybe that's a debate we could have one day down the road between which one deserves it. But that is what it was voted on between the panel and the crowd. Just wanted to shoot a shout out both of those because both of them have done amazing things for this year, regardless of what your opinions are. But with that, is there any last minute things you guys kind of want to wrap up before we close out the show? Um, you're stuck with me for good now. So that's that's nice. I'm not. You won't be losing me for unless it's like school related. But that's about it. So we can hope. We buckle, can hope. buckle up, buckaroos. <laughs> Dylan, how about you? Um, no. I mean, just I just want to touch on the honorable mentions real quick. I think Overwatch did deserve it. No other, no, no other esport really did the big stuff they did. Also, shout out to Sonic Fox really for being the best fighting game player. In so long, he's good at every game. It's gross. It's gross how good one person can be at so many games. He deserves it. He deserves it. Also, he's he's a goon. I love him. Um, I I so something I want to read off just one second there, Dylan. I mean, uh, your breaking news may not have been correct. Um, Thorn Rain. I'm assuming is how you say. Um, one of the um, teams will still be able to run their own stores for Owl merch. One of the uh, great benefits Fanex brings uh, 
brings to the league and all 20 teams is their innovative vertical manufacturing model, which allows for rapid design, manufacturing, and distribution of merchandise. Okay. Toast. I'm sorry. My dog is losing it right now. Um, I, can, I, can pick, I can pick up if you want it. Yeah, in addition to working through Fanatics, next year teams will attain the flexibility which they hold today to produce their own promotional merchandise for their fans. So Diane we were wrong. Brady. Dylan's whole theory is not correct. Teams will still be able to. It'll just the capacity and how it's being done will be changed. But just to update on that, that they still will have their own teams. So does this mean that when they say it's not going to be in? their own store they just literally mean it's going to be custom merch but in this new store yeah so it'll probably just yeah. be through fanatic and that'll just be uploaded to like that team page all right then or, a, or some yeah. attitude no it's like is fanatics like do they have like a limited brand like like list that people can work from like is it like one of those things like or do you can or is it literally just like a centralized like distribution place i wonder i need I, to, the I'm, model I'm, hasn't I'm been flushed out but as long as we know um, is that, that that's their head of esports? Hey, oh, oh my goodness! Is their head of esports licensing? So I trust the word of that and that. Yeah, there's just some clarification and how it's being done is going to change, but the teams will still have it at least, which is good. Yeah, oh yeah. But I guess I, with I, that. So actually, oh. I don't understand. I I know. I'm sorry. We're getting close on time. We still okay. have we still have, we still have six minutes. I'm gonna <laughs> run this baby to the end. What I don't understand though is why why did Philly Fusion say that they're not going to have anything on this store anymore? So does that when they say they have the flexibility? So they literally made like a, a hoodie, but by champions, like they they got the champions hoodie. So does this mean that when they have the same flexibility, they can kind of throw their stuff on whatever brand that they want and then throw it on this store? Is that what is that what you guys think? I that's that's what I'm seeing is that they can like they like. The way that reads to me is that they can pick whatever brand to like collaborate with, and then it goes on to the store. The, the teams themselves won't have it through their own individual websites, I guess, and it'll all be like centralized there. So I like that's how I that's how it reads to me. Um, but like, I don't know. I don't know if that helps your point or all not or not, Dylan. Like, I don't know. Yeah. So make through yes, yeah, they still be able to make merch through through fanatics, not just league. Yeah, not just the specific league merch. So you guess I guess you'll have the league store, and then you'll have the the like fanatics store. I guess. Yeah. So I, I guess the only thing I was looking to drill down on is, say, if they want to make a custom hoodie, does it have to be, you know, they submit the design to them and they go, okay, let's take you know what base clothing we have and design around it. Because if that was the case, then, then like I was saying, they wouldn't be able to produce things with other, like I don't know, like say if they got like, uh, like Adidas, like they couldn't make an Adidas yeah. hoodie that's like Philly Fusion or whatever. I was that that's what I was wondering the specifics of. I mean, I am very glad that. Thank you also, yeah. Thank you so much for posting this because this was really informative. We're 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 work we're working through this this story, <laughs> which is great. Um, but I'm definitely interested interested to see how this, you know, plays out. Because um, this is a lot of interesting detail. Yeah, no, it's like it's a lot of like unintentional, like or like it's a lot of creative control too, and see how much the teams have. Because like the, how that reads to me is just you get the collaboration. You don't have to like you don't have to like. There's no pre-approval and stuff like that. It just gets posted in this one store, and like you'll. So I, I can imagine we're gonna see like an array of like of designs and like and like and brands and stuff like that. That's how it, that's how it pitches it to me. They're just like the centralized place of dis- distributing it, I guess. That's how I, that's how I see it. I don't know. Hopefully, anyway. it, lo- hopefully it looks like that because yeah, yeah, customer yeah. is good. It's a good thing. 
It is a good thing, absolutely. No, yeah, I, mean, I agree. But with that, we can talk more about that on the post show if you guys really want to keep staying on that topic. But we're at about time. I don't think we need to add really much more to that right now, and we can talk more about it there. But with that, I want to thank you guys all for tuning in to the Prodigy Esports Podcast for December 10th, 2018. Especially you guys that um, interact with us in Twitch chat or anything kind of like that. Or for our listeners, YouTube comments. Thank you all, no matter how or where you listen, for interacting with us. Oh, see, dude, I'm the first, the first week back. Come on, man. Uh, that being said, though, guys, uh, whatever love you share, uh, you give with us, uh, you know, you share, you like, you comment, all the good stuff. We appreciate it a shit ton. I love it. I'm using my one swear word there. It's like a PG-13 movie. And you can find us every single Monday, 6.30 Eastern Standard Time, right here, on twitch.tv slash thegamehouse. And then you can also find us the following day, on every single podcast platform out there. I'm talking Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, all of them. Just search Project Esports Podcast. We're on them. Um, our entire backlog of esports news, interviews, all that's up there too. So download those. Leave a review on iTunes because that helps us out a lot. So please do that. Thank you. And with that, just a reminder that we do have an interview with Mitchell Moody coming out on Wednesday. And then also we have our Project Esports ranking series for the Overwatch League brands coming out on Thursday as well. So do keep an eye on our Twitter, at the Esports Pod, for both of those. So you can get the exact times. Those will be on YouTube. And the interview will be going up on the podcast platform as well. But with that, I'm Andrew. I'm Dylan. And I'm James. And thank you for watching Project Esports Podcast. We will catch you guys next Monday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at twitch.tv slash thegamehouse.